And I see that with martial arts and body movement, some of them have no communication problems at all. I see other people which talk well, which have more communicational problem with their bodies than those people. Hi, this is Mick Tully, and you're listening to Mixed Martial Arts. On today's show, we've got an international flavour, and believe it or not, I'm doing this in a car park with Luxembourg's finest export, the one and only Guru Frank Rupert. Thank you, Mick. <laughs> right. It's going to be very, very short because we're in the middle of a Guru Danny and Osanto seminar and we're having a 15 to 20 minute break and Frank always gets called out to demonstrate. That's how good he is, right? So <laughs> no, I just do the ABC. <laughs> the attack by combination, huh? Right, okay, so Frank, how did you get started in martial arts? Oh man, uh, to be honest, I, I wanted, like, I saw the movies like everybody, but to be very honest with you, I wasn't the Bruce Lee generation. I was like a Van Damme blood sport generation. But yes. I, I liked how those people could move and the control of their body they had. And so, so I wanted to do martial arts from the age of 12 on, but my parents thought that's too violent, too aggressive, your body gets hurt, wrong mentality. Well, they didn't know better, I guess. Yes. Because back in the time, it wasn't that, like nowadays, it's getting more and more common to do some martial arts and there are really good values behind it. But so now what I did is I waited till I have 18, continued playing soccer, both of my knees went away. Like, <laughs> yeah. my, my bag went away, 18 years, so I told my parents after 18 years, so now my body is broken, I'm gonna do martial arts, is that okay? <laughs> and they still said no, but I was 18, so I started martial arts and they soon realized that it's, it's a good thing. My back regenerated, my knees are better, soccer really broke my body a little bit when I was younger and I learned to rebuild it up. And then, uh, well, gotta say I'm the luckiest guy around because I knew nothing about martial arts. I could have gone to any any dojo, but it happened to that uh, Sifu Daniel Lonero had the dojo just 10 minutes from my home. Wow. So the first place <laughs> I entered just by proximity is Sifu Daniel Lonero's place. And I mean, you probably know him and a lot of guys know him. A lot him. of guys listen to him. They've He's listened to his podcast, right? assistant to Guru Inusanto and uh, traveling a lot in Europe and... So I had this luck and I see, I see, I started with Jeet Kune Do because by, by, by then I knew Bruce Lee and then seeing Jeet Kune Do and realizing that it's already hybrid, they're already taking from Savard, they're already taking, I see, okay, I can not only do this. So I see the class after Jeet Kune Do is Muay Thai and the next day I see it's Kali weaponry and then I see, oh, then they do Shudo. So sure enough, I fell right into it and stayed like I was part of the, the building, as yeah. we say. As soon, <laughs> because I waited seven years to, to be able to start on my own. As soon as I found it, I knew, first training, I knew this is where I want to be. Uh, how many years ago is this? That's 16 years ago now. Wow, I think, 16 years with Daniel, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, you walked in there thinking you were just going to an ordinary... You had no idea, right? I had no idea. It could have been karate. It could have been anything. Shaolin Kung Fu. But I, and I'm really, really lucky that I met Sifu Daniel Lunero because it changed my life. Not just the person, the martial art, everything around it, how I evolved. I found purpose. When I first met Daniel, I was just like blown away because if you see him on YouTube, we all know he moves well, right? Oh man, he's he's something else to but me. Yeah, yeah, but his ethos and his ethics behind what 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 else has he taught you? 
Oh, he, he taught me a lot. Besides martial arts, you mean? Yes. Besides martial arts, which is great. Like, as every relationship, it was really a Sifu student relationship. And it still is. As soon as we're in a dojo at, or Daniel teaches a seminar, which I'm lucky enough to assist, I take that very seriously, that Sifu student thing. But eventually, after time, we became friends. And so yes. we... We pass a lot of time together in the car, driving to Paris, driving to the different seminars. Driving and around we, the UK. We talk a lot. <laughs> driving through the UK also yeah. on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> Did you know the fears I have in the UK yes. when driving? Hey, I get this. I lived in Germany. But so we have we have nice discussions and we see that we are we are we are like close-minded. We influence each other by philosophy, what we read. He puts me to stuff. He reads. I I, I sometimes have ideas. He likes so and then. We push each other going on on the not only on the martial art way but also on the on the thinking on the philosophy and on the on the culture sometimes because I'm a historian by um, like by university I did a master's degree in history so I'm very attached to history of the martial arts history of the Philippines and all this so I, I do a lot of research in that and, and then we talk and I get the back uh, because Sifu Daniel is uh, very close to Guru, Guru Daniel Santo yes. so a lot of time I can ask a question and get right to the source and I yes. get it back so I'm, I feel like a very lucky guy well, I, the, that was the first time we spoke first time we ever met you mentioned about you know how you go into high schools now and you teach and you you use the martial arts as like a Trojan horse to yeah. to, to enthuse the students. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah. So in Luxembourg, my 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 usual preset way should have been after university become a history teacher. Yes. But I didn't like the fact that we go to school from the age of four till the age of twenty five. We're done with the university, and then we go right back to school and teach the kids what we learned. We don't even know it. Like like Guru Inosanto always says, experience. You know, yes. right? So you have to work in your field, and then maybe you can teach. So I don't like the fact that we go right from being a student to being a teacher in a snap without like testing the being a student so I didn't I don't teach history also because of a lot of the history on high school level is done by the government to indulge some ideas of you know sometimes they turn it <laughs> anyway let's not go too far into politics yes but uh, so what that's I do for another now, podcast when we sure, have an hour we need yeah. time for that sure yeah. sure but what I do right now I work with a group of uh, they call it a thing in English too dysphasic children like children with communication problems they say yes and I see that with martial arts and body movement some of them have no communication problems at all I see other people which talk well which have more communicational problem with their bodies than those people yes. so with the body I can you know I can give them they, I see that they really like it and they really get confidence out of it and they, they really like to do something they, they understand well because it's body mechanics. And some people are better and some people are not as good. But the most important stuff is like they don't have to to do all what we do normally to write from the blackboard and to, to, to listen to the words. So they have to experience on the corporal level. Oh, no, you don't say corporal. No, we do say corporal. Oh, great, yeah, great. Sorry, yeah. guys. My English is uh, <laughs> it's a lot half, half. <laughs> Trust me, it is good. It is good. We're, we're in a generation where we we're, we consider our, each other peers, but we look at we look at Daniel and we look at like Terry Barnett and Rick Fe oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Rick Young 
and we we see we see these guys uh, uh, not not a generation apart, but they're above us, right? Mm-hmm. And Daniel's above us, but in age, he's very close. He's to very us. close. You to know, us, that's yes. the thing, right? So he was the first guy that I saw of our peer group that had the flexibility of body movement. And immediately I realized he had the flexibility of his thought processes. Like mm. for me, he's one of the ultimate examples of the, the fluidity of Jeet Kune Do and the method behind it. Oh, right? yeah, I'm, I'm with you, right. Plus, Daniel, in my opinion, is um, there's not many people who can put two sticks in uh, in the hands and like really excel in, in Kali, Filipino martial arts. And he might put tie shorts on and he really excels in Muay Thai shoe wrestling and then shoe wrestling really good jitsu so yeah the, the flow with the with the ease he goes from one style to another really impresses me every time I see him again because now I don't see him that much anymore only when he comes to Europe to teach seminars I, I, I normally I have the chance to assist and I get my training lessons in between two hotel doors uh, <laughs> sometimes in a car sometimes you know you get lessons all the time so it's uh, I really feel really feel blessed because of that and I really feel that Daniel is one of those guys who, who really mixes it all together who really you cannot if you see him move normal in a sparring maybe you can't say is this Muay Thai is it shoot wrestling is it because he blends it all together uh, that, that is uh, the one thing that I noticed was I looked at him and it was like I, I actually said to him he was akin to a very good jazz player or a very good musician. Yeah. Because it's only when you look at it very closely you see the elements. But and it's not through. Uh, you know, sometimes people can just make a shape that looks a bit mm-hmm. like Thai boxing, but they don't know what they're doing. Everything he does is pinpoint accuracy. He knows exactly what he's doing, mm-hmm. right time. Just unbelievable. So, out of all of the arts you've studied. What's your favorite art? Oh, it's a different, tr- difficult question. Because I like them all. I really like them all. But if I would have to choose, if somebody, I think somebody else said it, and uh, I think you, you know, Santo once said it. But if I, if if somebody told me you have to only pick one, I would probably pick Filipino martial arts. Yeah, that's my 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 way to go. But I like them all. I like the Jeet Kune Do. I like Thai boxing. I like uh, shoot wrestling. I like savat. I like yeah. Silat a lot. Geographically, you're very close to France. Yes. Right? And as Daniel mentioned in the podcast, if you haven't listened to it, make sure you do. Oh, uh, yeah, make sure you do that. Yeah. But he was, he was saying that the... He said that the martial arts that come from certain countries are really indicative of the culture. Yeah. Yeah? And do you think that... Do you think Savat suits you because of where you're from or you just body type or what? Yeah, a little bit. I'm tall, so that's working well. Um, I think what, uh, what Daniel wanted to say with culture is maybe that if you look at it, Savat and uh, French ballet dancing style, they developed around the same time in, in, in France. Yes. And both are very high, very on the toes, very uh, elevated to the, to the, to the, how you call it? To the clouds, to the... Heavens. To the heavens. Yes. So because of, maybe Christian religion has its play in that. Right. If you look like African martial arts or like Capoeira, it's more close to the ground, more... Earthbound, yes. you know what I mean. Yes. So, and I see the same stuff with Sila and the Sila and the Indonesian or the Southeast Asian dancing. To me personally, now that we talked about it, I sometimes see body movements as one, and I think 
I think that dance and martial arts of a culture are always very closely linked. It's going to be my PhD if I want to do it. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> movement, uh, the universality of movement, but also how culture, you know, dictates the flavor. Well, Guru, Guru's just said this. He said that in the Philippines, it was oral history and the historians kept it in dance. And I remember years ago, he said, he said the only reason people think that the Egyptians were the first in real culture was they were the first people to understand the value of a historian, mm -hmm. the value of a scribe, you know? So what do you want? out of martial arts like that's too hard to answer because what do you want I, I, I feel like I already got what I wanted I think I actually and I kid you not I feel that I got what I wanted out of martial arts my first training session because I was waiting for it seven years always like the movies like I said my parents not letting me go as soon as I was 18 I found something and what I found and Sifu Daniel last time told to me he said to me Frank we are lucky lucky guys because we found a passion And we have a passion because not everybody in life has a passion, something he wants to get up for, something he, he wants to live for. He is really like he's enjoying doing. Yes. So and I think I got already out of martial arts what I'm looking for. I found a passion, something I can put numerous hours in and not get bored. But you, you, How good is that? Yeah, that is <laughs> awesome. This is, this is the thing. Uh, I remember Daniel said it when I said, when I said in our podcast, we were talking about what, I really got out of martial arts because he actually sort of turned it on me. And I said to him, I said, I, I, dis I just made, a, made a, a discovery or I came to a revelation that I didn't want a mediocre life. And then he turned around and he said, but I don't think anybody deserves a mediocre life. <laughs> and the, the minute he said that, I was like, wow, that's it. Right, Frank, if you were going to give advice to anybody, bear in mind that, you know, I, I know you. I know you well, and I know what a wonderful person you are. No, it's the truth. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, one of the only guys I know that truly believes passionately. You've listened to the guy. Yeah, you believe in it. Why would you tell people to take take up martial arts? Why would I tell people? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I think the most spiritual reason, if I if I may, uh, I yeah. don't want to go too much into it, but if I may what it taught me because before you ask what it taught me and I said I already found it it's passion but what I what, I, what it may be what it gave me which is very important is like you hear it a lot like carpe diem or live the moment or yes. but people don't really they use it to do whatever the martial art really shows you what like put your thinking away and you can only be You can only yes. be there, not not think about the situation. But at the end of the day, somebody hits you. You you cannot think. What am I going to do? You have to. It has to come out. And if it comes out, you're right in the moment. And that's like living the moment for me. So, in for me, martial art really helps a lot if, if to put the thinking a little bit, little bit away. And it helps meditating that way. So you could use it as a pre-meditation. Right? Yes. It's like uh, you could use it as a way to put your ego. A little bit away yeah and then the, on the practical side personally I think if people would do like a lot of people would do martial arts I think civil courage courage would go up generally yes and I think by that like aggressions in the street would happen less and less because more people would go not not exactly go in but say something or have a little yeah. bit more confidence to stay together and no stop attacking that guy yeah. so I think civil courage is very important and I see it in a lot of martial yeah, artists I, I'd say that and the other one as well is I, I see a lot of people who would be monsters without training 
True. Yeah, and uh, they already know, so they don't need to find out. So they don't go into these aggressive and mm-hmm. adversarial situations. Martial arts, I, I once read that in the Chinese and in the Japanese signs, it means to stop the lens. A lens, like a, a weapon, stop a lens. But right. you can interpret it in both ways. You you stop the, your opponent's lens from attacking you, but you stop your own lens from wanting to attack other people, if you know what yes. I mean. So I saw it both ways, and it's very true what you said. A lot of people... They might have been aggressive in their use. They start martial arts and sometimes people think, yeah, well, now they're going to be like aggressive and they know how to hit. But it's not what's going to happen because if the if the teacher's right and he brings the, the, the correct values with the martial arts, which should, every teacher should, then the mind changes and the aggressive people will get less aggressive, especially when he sees in the training, in the dojo, that he can hit and that he doesn't have to do it outside or in to innocent people yeah. or to... It's funny, it's funny you said this because I've said this before where I've been teaching people, especially children, and they said, but once they realize that they're good at violence, that maybe they might want to do more violence. And I said, have you ever spoken to anyone who lives in a chocolate, fa- works in a chocolate factory? And they said, what? And I said, because they never want to eat chocolate. Yeah? I like it, that's a good one. <laughs> you can have that one. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> but uh, Frank, I'm going to tell you right now, 20 minutes is nowhere near enough. And I'm going to speak on behalf of all the guys that are listening because I know the first thing I put this out will be like, it was great, but there just wasn't enough of it. But we need to get back in because sure. Dan, the man, is the man. Yeah, Guru Dan is waiting there. And obviously, Frank is Luxembourg's finest export. Easily for me, one of the best martial artists of our generation right now. And I mean Thank that. You, and just easily, again, it's like... If you can't get to Daniel Lanero... It's too much. The pressure's <laughs> no, no, up now. The, the pressure's, pressure's up. up. <laughs> no, but it's, it is. Again, it's just that effect that you... Cheat. Everybody who's connected to the Ino Santo family in some way or another helps just share the love. And people just get good. I've, I've seen guys who don't know their left from their right. <laughs> True. Yeah? And then yeah. you see them two years later and you're like, wow. Yeah, right. How did you guys get that good? I've been... I haven't been too far from that guy. I mean, <laughs> as a soccer player, ooh, my body mechanics, they were not that great. Uh, Everything is doing with a with a good teacher and with the right mind definitely well what we're going to do now is we're going to have to wrap up and go in but Frank next time you're in the UK I need to get you and we didn't even talk about politics we didn't talk oh, no, about don't get me started <laughs> we didn't talk about politics we didn't talk about free, uh, free thought we didn't talk about indoctrination we didn't talk about staying away from the newspapers <laughs> one of our favourite lines uh, so there you are guys uh, thanks Frank thanks a lot Thanks for listening today. We have a brand new show every Friday. You can listen to all our interviews on MixedMartialArts.com. Mixed Martial Arts is our Paint Your Headphones production.